The bell is rung. Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of In Ring Reality, where today we are combining our weekly end of the week news episode that used to be called News and Takeaways, but I made the executive decision to take the word takeaways out of the title because with us reviewing every show, there's no point really in putting takeaways in the title because our main topics that we talk about to lead off each review are my main takeaways for the show. But yes, I was doing some things behind the scenes for visual presentation for the show yesterday. So I wasn't able to record the news episode yesterday. So we are combining that with the SmackDown review. So as always, hello to everyone watching live on YouTube and Facebook at In Ring Reality. I appreciate everyone one of you who watch live and watch the replay. And of course, hello to those of you who prefer our audio only experience. So there really was only one big earth shattering news topic for the week. And that, of course, is what's in the title. And that is Paul Heyman is out as executive producer of Monday Night Raw or the head of creative of Monday Night Raw, I should say, is probably a more appropriate title. Heyman was, of course, brought on last year, along with Eric Bischoff, who was fired within a month, I believe it was. He didn't last long at all, and the reason for that apparently was that he knew nothing about the product, and he just had points in time where he didn't even show up and people just were not happy with his output at all. So he was quickly let go. Heyman lasted a little over a year, but Heyman has been replaced by Bruce Pritchard and WWE's statement on their website said that they did this in an effort to streamline their creative and they're just going to have one head of creative, which is Bruce Pritchard. Now, on the surface, that's not necessarily a bad thing because you want to have continuity between your programs and the demand to have the programs being Raw and SmackDown be separate from each other and be presented separately was a thing that was demanded and put in place by the networks, by USA and Fox, and it just hasn't happened that way. The more sports appeal that was supposed to be for Friday Night Smackdown has definitely not happened, and it's all down to Vince, which, as no one is surprised by, appears to be the reason that this all went down, because Vince is not happy with the falling raw ratings, despite the fact that you can probably attribute most of that to the fact that we're in a pandemic and no one wants to watch wrestling without a crowd, Vince doesn't see it that way and wants a scapegoat for the ever-struggling Raw, so of course it's Paul Heyman. And this also 
comes down according to all the sources that reported on it, which were the Wrestling Observer, WrestlingNews.co, and Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful Select. They all say the same thing, which was that Heyman wanted to do what, to his credit, he has been doing a great job of, which is to create new stars. He wanted to push young guys as a long-term plan, and for whatever reason, that's not what Vince wants. Vince wants the tried-and-true guys, and he wants the brand to go around those people for the most part. And I say for the most part because we have seen a couple of people last through the cracks. We've seen Mandy and Otis on SmackDown, and we've, of course, seen Drew McIntyre, who isn't new to the business, but is new to that WWE main event spotlight last as WWE champion on Raw. And Drew, ironically enough, was the one Heyman push that stuck around. Heyman was the one that pushed for Drew to be the winner of the Royal Rumble this year in 2020, and of course was the one that pushed for Drew to be WWE champion, and that apparently is the one Heyman thing that Vince agreed with and has stuck with it. But Heyman also tried to push young guys like Murphy, like Aleister Black, like Ricochet, and like Cedric Alexander. And although Murphy is still in the stable with the Money Night Messiah Seth Rollins, he really has been a background player and hasn't done much. We'll see what happens with him as time goes on. But Aleister Black, of course, has done nothing. He was literally stuck in a cupboard for a year on SmackDown and then came to Raw, got a couple of weeks push, has been involved with the Monday Night Messiah and that stable, but hasn't gotten a definitive victory over Seth Rollins yet to establish himself. And of course, Ricochet and Cedric Alexander have gotten stop and start pushes and have completely disappeared from TV. So this is a little worrisome for people like Apollo Crews, for people like, I want to try and think of other names, but that's the problem, isn't it? You can't really think of other names other than the ones that I already let off the discussion with, and that's the problem. Vince wants the the shock value programming, he wants tried and true stars, and you look at something like Braun Strowman as Universal Champion. You could consider him a new star in terms of where he is on the card, right? In the main event scene. What is he doing at Backlash? He's facing two veterans in The Miz and John Morrison. Because Vince is all about you need a veteran to offset a young guy. You can't trust two young guys to carry your storylines. And then, of course, Bruce Pritchard has also been responsible for ridiculous angles like the Who attacked Roman Reigns, which resulted in a Rowan twin, and, of course, Roman Reigns being 
dumped on the head with a pile of dog food. And he was also responsible for a ridiculous segment that we saw opening up SmackDown last night, which we'll get into in a minute. So Bruce Pritchard is not exactly the guy that those of us who host shows like this and listen and watch shows like this, the hardcore wrestling community are exactly a big fan of. But again, Bruce Pritchard is widely considered to be a yes man and will give Vince what he wants. Now, Vince also reportedly is very unhappy with the NXT fallen ratings, but thankfully, all that's going to happen there reportedly is that we may see more Raw and SmackDown stars come to NXT to spice things up to try to entice people to watch NXT over AEW. He's not messing with Triple H and Triple H's vision down there. So thank goodness for that. And quite frankly, as long as they use the Raw and SmackDown stars in the right way on NXT, no one's going to have a problem with that. But it does raise real issues with the Pritchard streamline move on SmackDown because Heyman, for all his faults, and he's not perfect, does know that you need to build new stars in order to succeed and grow long term. And again, that's not something that Bruce Pritchard, Vive Extension of Vince McMahon, is behind and really known for doing. So I'm not happy with this decision, but SmackDown has been getting slightly better in terms of they are kind of building storylines and seem to be going somewhere with it. Bruce Pritchard was the guy that's responsible for Matt Riddle's move to SmackDown, which I expect, especially after watching what we saw last night on SmackDown with the little promo package they played, I expect him to move on to SmackDown as early as the SmackDown following this Sunday's Backlash pay-per-view. So we'll have to wait and see how everything works out. But, you know, this really changes everything for us as wrestling fans. And those of us who thought Raw was the better product right now, other than NXT, between itself and SmackDown, like myself and many others, are a little bit wary. So we'll have to wait and see what happens, and we definitely will keep an eye on things, because what happens if ratings don't go up, and Vince isn't happy, is Bruce Pritchard going to be another scapegoat down the road? What's going to happen to creative then? And that's Vince's whole thing is he just wants a scapegoat whenever he has one of his mood swings and decides he's not happy. That's what happens. Someone is a scapegoat as a result of it. So again, it's just a waiting game and hopefully it's not as bad as what we are hoping that it will not be. Or, sorry, not as bad as what we're thinking it will be. We'll have to wait and see what goes down. So, yeah, those are my thoughts 
on the big outage of Paul Heyman as the creative lead of Monday Night Raw. So now let's move on to SmackDown. And not much happened on SmackDown this week because the big takeaway of the big match was, of course, the finals in the Intercontinental Championship Tournament between Daniel Bryan and the phenomenal AJ Styles. And thankfully, to the heavens above, they gave this match the time that a clash between Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles deserved. This was everything you want this match to be, counter after counter. And several times where it looked like Daniel Bryan was going to win the match, and the match lasted almost the entire second hour of the show. Began straight up at 9 p.m. and went all the way until about 9.45, I believe it was, by the time the next match started, not counting entrances and things like that. So this was a wonderful, wonderful match. I couldn't tell you every move that happened in the match, but if you haven't seen it, please do whatever you have to do, whether that's, you know, the replay on Google Live, the clips on YouTube, however it is that you go and watch the weekly shows, if you don't always watch them week by week and see what happens within them, this is one match that I highly recommend everyone checks out. As for the rest of the show, like I said, it was very quick because of the near one hour match between AJ. Over, oh, by the way, forgot to mention AJ Styles is the new Intercontinental Champion. He gets the victory after Dean and Bryan kicks out of a Styles clash, but he cannot survive a phenomenal forearm to end the matchup. AJ then cuts a promo, calling himself what he has always said before and says again, the greatest WWE champion that the WWE Universe has ever seen. I've always been a huge fan of AJ Styles, as those of you watching can see behind me, as I have the framed AJ Styles autograph photo and his pendant up on my wall. So I've always been a huge fan of his. He is one of the greatest workers the business has ever seen. So I'm very, very happy about this. And given the way the match ended, how good it was, I wouldn't be surprised if Daniel Bryan isn't out of the IC title picture. And we may see more from them going forward, which may lead to Daniel winning the IC strap down the road. So I think it's all a win-win situation for everybody involved, for sure. So anyway, the rest of the show. You probably, if you follow shows like this, you probably ran across the spoiler for this segment, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it because it's more Bruce Pritchard, Vince McMahon type of thing that they like, that they think is funny. And the rest of us watching are like, why do I like wrestling again? Because that's how ridiculous of a segment it was. Seamus and Jeff Hardy 
come to the ring for a contract signing for this Sunday. Sheamus is flagged by a bunch of people, including a man in a lab coat who he says is a doctor, and he proceeds to tell Jeff that there's no way that he's getting in the ring this Sunday at Backlash with a junkie, and he demands that Jeff Hardy pass a urine test before he gets in the ring with him. So Jeff Hardy, while Sheamus is cutting a public service announcement to the audience saying, kids, don't be like Jeff Hardy and be better and don't do drugs. Jeff Hardy supposedly is, of course, peeing in the booth behind Sheamus as this is going on. And he proceeds to throw the quote-unquote pee on to Seamus's face and head. And then we flash after a commercial break backstage to the quote-unquote doctor telling Seamus that Jeff Hardy's test results have come back negative. So he's clean. Seamus is ticked off, wiping the quote-unquote pee from his face in the form of washing his face backstage in a sink in the bathroom screaming at the doctor to get out and that is how that ridiculous opening segment comes to an end there's nothing I can say about it because again like how do things like this get past the people making the decisions on what they're going to put on the shows. That's what you think when you watch them. But then you realize that again, it's Vince McMahon and by extension, Bruce Pritchard, and they probably thought this was funny. And that's all you can say about it. We then see the return of Tucker or Tucky as Otis affectionately refers to him as backstage and they're going through a little bit of training for their six-man tag team match teaming with Braun Strowman later tonight against The Miz, Morrison, and Dolph Ziggler and Tucky is putting steak in front of Otis getting Otis psyched up and then something rather silly and rather ridiculous to me happens especially given two weeks ago we saw how close they have gotten and we got an entire segment saluting Fast Times at Ridgemont High and a very, very long makeout session between the two. So you're telling me that by now Otis doesn't know what the kisses of his peach Mandy Rose taste like because Otis is blindfolded at this point and gets a kiss from Andy and says, Tucky, Tucky, uh, I appreciate the support, brother. But then he takes the blindfold off to realize that it was his peach, Mandy Rose. And he says, oh yeah, Mandy, my peach, my peach. And Mandy says, I don't mean to interrupt you guys. I just wanted to wish you guys the best of luck tonight. And I know you're going to go out there and kill it. And Otis, don't forget the money in the bank briefcase. This all well is fine. Mandy should be continually involved with Otis. But again, how does he not know what Mandy's kisses feel and taste like? 
it just it's one of those logic things i know it's wrestling and you're supposed to just absorb what you're watching and suspend verisimilitude and disbelief but that's just one of those things where it's like what how why (laughs) but anyway that happened then we get the intercontinental championship match which we've already discussed then we get the six-man tag team main event of heavy machinery tucky and otis along with Universal Champion Braun Strowman, who, by the way, early in the night did cut a short little promo on Ms. Morrison saying that I can fix the car that you guys broke the window and windshield of last week, but at Backlash, nobody will be able to fix the two of you from the beatdown that you're going to get. So they come out for their match. Ms. Morrison and Ziggler come out. They have a short match. During the match, we see Corbin come up to Mandy backstage and just be like, hey, I'm not mad. I just have a question for you. I just want to know, were you responsible? Was it your idea to have Otis take my crown last week? I just want to know. And he said, Mandy's like, no. I was just going along with Otis. We were just having some fun. And Corbin is like, hey, no, I get it. I get that it was your idea, actually. And you just don't want to tell me because you're fantasizing about being with a real man, fantasizing about being with a man with power. Otis sees this, of course, in the ring and immediately rushes back to protect Mandy and beat Corbin down and just goes absolutely crazy on him and, you know, beats the crap out of him backstage. So my long-term wrestling fan brain thinks, okay, this is going to cost Strowman and Tucky this match. Tucky's going to start to get frustrated and we're going to see plants for a heel turn made up, which or presented to us on screen is what I meant to say. And this is something that Steve, I know from going in raw, Steve Steve from Stephen Larson's going in raw, predicted might happen. And I think it's far too soon for this to go down. But again, this is what my wrestling brain thought would happen. But no, we simply see Otis come back out after beating down Corbin and get back in the match, get the hot tag in the match and proceed to win the match, hit the Caterpillar and be responsible for his team getting the win inside the ring as Strowman takes out Miz and Morrison on the outside. He gets another victory over Dolph Ziggler. Does Otis no cash in, of course, because everybody's the dominant faces in this situation. So this was fine because, again, I don't really want to see heavy machinery break up for a couple of reasons. Because I don't want to see another tag team break up because we barely have any. And again, I just think that Otis hasn't really betrayed Tucky for Mandy Rose. Tucky always knew that Otis loved Mandy. And 
should be happy to see them together. And him turning on Otis for it wouldn't make much narrative sense, but it just may be a situation where they do it because they want to give Otis something to do in a scenario where they need something to do for the two of them and they want to keep Otis out of the championship picture for a while and so they think well Tucker needs something to do as well so let's just have him turn on Otis so I wouldn't be surprised if this happens but again it was nothing to narratively make sense and I think it's a little bit too soon so for my money I'm glad that it did not go down and I said that was it but I just remembered that New Day did have a quick tag team match against Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro New Day took a knee for Black Lives Matter before the match and that's okay because that's their beliefs and I'm okay with that and in this quick match Nakamura and Cesaro got the victory. So, a little bit of a surprise there, and maybe that sets up Nakamura and Cesaro being future number one contenders for the SmackDown Tag Team titles, which I'm all about because I want them to do something with both of those guys. So yeah, that was Friday Night SmackDown for this week. It was definitely an average middle-of-the-road show, nothing to write home about, and really did nothing to get me more excited for Backlash, which, as I said during my predictions edition of the program, just, to me, wasn't anything that I'm excited about and am really looking forward to. It's just another example of WWE having one too many pay-per-views and just keeping the plate spinning it'll feel like an extended version of Raw and Smackdown everybody will probably bring their A-game because that's what everybody does for pay-per-views so I'm not in doubting that it's going to be an enjoyable show I'm only saying that for my money it's not exactly something that's setting my internal clock on fire so as always, if you're new here, please do consider, if you enjoy the watching experience, to hit that subscribe button on YouTube, hit that follow button on Facebook, also hit the bell notification icon on YouTube so you do get notified if you watch that way, and again, hit that follow button on Facebook so you never miss an edition of my broadcast. And if you prefer the audio-only experience and you're new here, be sure to subscribe and follow us on your podcast listening platform of choice. And please also consider, even if you don't use Apple Podcasts as your listening platform of choice, do give us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts as it does help me to grow the show and make it bigger and better for all of you out there watching and listening who I greatly, greatly appreciate. And as I always like to say, life is only as good 
as what you choose to make it to be. So please make the choice to go out and do something great today. 